Ted Howell, a lifelong Republican from Belfast, talks in this Guhuna Akduahian podcast about the context in which the 1981 hunger strike came about and the support that existed in the United States during that time, continuing on a long tradition of solidarity for Irish freedom from across the Atlantic. He begins by reflecting on how more recent events, such as that of the death of Bobby Story in Belfast, sparked recollections of those times and of the early days of the conflict here in the North. The, 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 the struggle, as far as we were concerned, as far as my generation was concerned, which, which involved all of those people, Bobby Pickles, Joe McDonald and so on, uh, had been going on at that point for whatever, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. And uh, I had known uh, many of them through whatever we were doing on the street and in prison. When Bobby died, uh, a comrade of ours from Dublin, who is now quite famous, Joanna Spain, she's four or five novels under her belt and a screenplay, sent me a message of condolence on the desk of Bobby. And uh, I suppose it, it could. It caused me to reflect back in those early days. We were on case three. Uh, I, I was at the ripe old age of uh, 23 or four, one of the, the Midland outlaws who were in the place. Myself and Joe McDonald had been the Maidstone together. And uh, both of us were released around the first ceasefire in 19, 1972. And the pair of us ended up back in cage three in May, June, 73. Uh, some of the older people in the cage at that time were Susie McManus, uh, the wee man, Jerry Ha's uncle, uh, 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 and Geordie and, and, and so on. And there was this massive age gap, if you like, between the, 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 the fellows who'd been involved in the 40s and 50s and uh, the new young Turks, uh, like myself and Joe McDonald and so on, who come in on the, uh, the radar screen in the, in the 70s. And then there was all these wee lads. And most of the wee lads was uh, like Bobby, uh, Pickles, Whitey, and a whole bunch of lads from, from Andy's town, and including from my own area, Eddie Duffy and Jerry Bradley. They was a subject of the only decent thing, in my opinion that the Irish government did in the course of all the struggle. They brought the, uh, they brought the Brits to the European Court in 1977 on an issue of torture. Eddie Duffy, Jerry Bradley, Jerry Donnelly were tortured very, very badly. And uh, I remember well, I mean, all three of them, uh, and at that time, 
men were being sent to Armagh prison as well, including Teapot, and, and Brad, Nettie and Jerry Donnelly had their testicles on ice for two weeks after they had been battered in Broadway Road. So that was, that was part of the scene setting. And then you got the 76 and the arbitrary decision to uh, include out political status. Uh, and we went through all of the stuff and on the Maidstone and, and in long case, hunger strikes for, uh, for political status and all that. End of stuff. Uh, and then Cairn, who, uh, as everybody knows, says, you're going to have to nail that uniform to my back. And that was the start of all of that. So uh, over a period of all of the no wash protests, the brutality went down there, the torture went down there, uh, eventually uh, a campaign developed mostly because of one who took to the streets in defence of uh, prisoners' rights. And, and you know, I'm, I'm talking about this. I mean, there's, there, was, there was none of us who were that uh, naive. Everybody knew that there was all forms of struggle. There was armed struggle, political struggle, electoral strategy. Uh, so electoral strategy wasn't at the forefront in those days. Street struggle, it was just getting stuck into the Brits at every level on the streets and so on. And as I say, mostly by, by women. Uh, and that, that culminated in the, uh, the start of the biggest prison struggle ever, the hunger century of 80 and uh, 81. And, and from there, you know, the, the, the emphasis, because I mean, revolutionaries have to be uh, flexible, even if they didn't know it at the time. So emphasis switched from, from armed struggle, the street struggle, the, the prison struggle, and eventually to an electoral strategy, which, which arose out of the prison struggle. So while, 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 doing, while doing all of that, people had to uh, switch roles uh, and that's by necessity. So that's, that's exactly what happened. People who were doing one thing ended up doing another thing and I ended up in the, in the office and Sevastopol Street, which was a wreck of a place uh, and which was raided regularly by the Brits because somebody was sending out illegal messages on, on, on the part of uh, an illegal organisation claiming responsibility for certain things. But at one point, actually, when we were in another office, the Brits raided us and through the, can't even remember the name of the machine, but they threw it out the top window of the office into the back of a lorry. <laughs> and it wasn't ours, it belonged to the telephone company. 
So I'm moving on, and then hunger strikes of eighty and eighty-one, and and of course, as one of the many strategies involved, uh, electoral street politics, prison struggle, armed struggle. There was an international international strategy for what we all of us uh, were doing, and. Um, and the obvious place to go there was where the Irish diaspora was, and mostly that was in the United States, but also in England, which, as you may understand, wasn't a fertile ground for for what what we were up to, given given that that was the metropolis of the the enemy and all of the things that that involved in terms of conflict. So the U.S. was a uh, a reasonably fertile ground for what all of us were doing in terms of the struggle we were involved in. And there's been a long, long, long history there of support for Irish republicanism and Irish, Irish freedom. Going right back to um, Joe McGarthy, the, the, the clan, the Gale, through to the Irish Northern Aid Committee, and so on, and and, and to be honest, it's they they, they, they supported the Fenians, and they, they were actually the the seedbed of the Fenians in the middle of the nineteenth um, century, <coughs> and, and several of them came to Ireland during the, the Fenian rising, and so on. But there was a continuous chain there between Irish Americans, uh, post-famine Irish Americans, uh, and the, the struggle in, in Ireland, uh, mostly with, with Clan McGill, uh, right through, the, as I said, the Irish Northern Aid Committee, or, or as it became Northern Aid, and, including, yeah, first of all, one of the greatest publications I've ever read about that, this is the McGarrity papers. Uh, Joe McGarrity, I think Joe was a throne man, I think. The McGarrity papers was, was printed by Clan the Gale maybe 30, 40 years ago and edited by Sean Cronin, who was the chief of staff of the IRA in the Operation Harvest in the 50s uh, and subsequently, subsequently the uh, Washington correspondent for the Irish Times uh, and, and died some years ago. Uh, a smashing man, great man, very intelligent man, very strategic man. But all, all of that apart, then you'd Mike Flannery, who was in temporary IRA in the in the Tan War, and Mike was the president of of Noriad. Uh, I first met Mike in in New York in 1979, stayed with him and his wife uh, for a number of days along with another comrade of mine. And, and he reminisced about, about meeting people who he had been involved with in the Tan War, coming into New York penniless, political refugees, no money, nothing. And the the Irish community pulling together around them to give them 
to give them uh, support. So Mike, Mike was there when, when a number of people went to uh, the States in the early 70s. I and I know for definite that included Jimmy Drum and uh, Joe Cannell. And they set up the Irish Northern Aid Committee, which was subsequently known as, as Northern Aid. Uh, and they started raising funds for the families of uh, prisoners, dependents. So that went on for ages. And uh, at one point, and he died prematurely, and I think it was 1979, Brent McCusker. He was the, um, the chair of Norriot from the New Lodge Road, uh, a very, very, very able man from uh, Philadelphia. Um, did great service to the struggle. So that that was, well, from what I've said, self-evidently, uh, a natural place to go to, to seek support. And, um, and, and we did that and it, it uh, kicked off. I don't even know it was, I, I had a responsibility just given the same circumstances for, for doing something about that. And I don't even know that there was a, a plan involved, but it's just, we're contrary. And that's one of the things that has kept us going for 50 years. Old. All ideology apart, we're just contrary. So we, we, we started getting a number of people to go out. Shana Walsh's mother was one of them, and a number of other mothers of his block prisoners. 1979, they're about to try and to try and uh, bring that message uh, at least to Irish America, whatever about the wider, the wider population there and there were. There were, there were good people there, people who've, uh, in, in the US, who, politicians who've always supported the uh, the Irish freedom struggle. Uh, and that, whatever about our differences ideologically on a wider plane, and people like uh, Peter King, who were there throughout uh, and uh, through Three seconds then stayed with the struggle and furnished it. Um, and many, many others in, uh, in, in, in New York City Council, in uh, New York uh, Assembly, and, and way beyond that, right over to Dan McCormick in uh, San Francisco. Uh, um, and people he, he gathered about around him in support of Irish freedom. So all of that was going on. And then somebody, some genius, I don't know who it was, it certainly wasn't me, decided to send prisoners out, ex-prisoners out. And the first of them, of course, was uh, Cairn, Fran McCann. And God help us. We sent out as the organizer, Desi Mackin. What a disaster that was. Because Desi was sent out to, to 
organized the tour of ex-prisoners right across the United States. So as, as things developed, we uh, people were getting arrested. Desi got Fran McClan arrested by a 17-year-old trainee FBI woman. Then a whole range of others went out one by one uh, through Canada, through um, through Toronto. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's no secret, there's a, a brother-in-law of my wife, Seamus McCafferty, who was the transport agent. And, and the reason I say it's no, no secret is because the, the Canadian intelligence, as they are obliged to in law, told him after two years of tapping his phone that his phone had been tapped. <laughs> so it went on one by one, uh, a whole range of former prisoners uh, got arrested. The, the word went out. People like Peter King, and I have to say, Mike Flannery, uh, Pat O'Connell, uh, Martin Galvin, and others uh, spread the word, and to the point, to the point that it became, well, mostly because of the sacrifice of the hunger strikers themselves, of course, that it became an issue in the in the United States, uh, and there was there was. A great series of posters that I remember. Countrymen's like Brand the Cave, I think they called him. Uh, a good portrait artist did a whole range of portraits of people, including John Joe McGurl and and Bobby and and so on. Uh, I don't know how many of them are are left left about it at present. But to I me, mean, that's that's the way it went. It was just. Uh, uh, as I said, street struggle, armed struggle, prison struggle, international work, uh, the Irish diaspora, uh, civil and political, and everybody rode in behind it. And that's, you know, 